Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'm going to be ministering uh, starting out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 133. But I want to minister tonight in the fourth part of a series that we've been on, the making of a leader. The making of a leader. I believe that leaders can be made. Amen? You can develop yourself, fine-tune yourself, and become all that God wants you to be. But it does require something from you. For example, if you are going to pursue a career and it requires degrees or requires training vocationally, then you must apply yourself to get where you're supposed to be to operate in that call or that career. And so anything that you are running after, you have to apply yourself. And that's discipline. How many would say amen to discipline? Discipline is not a word that we like to use, um, especially when it involves being chastened, chastened <laughs> or it involves being corrected, or even if it involves sacrifice on our part where we have to sacrifice, discipline ourselves, bring our body under subjection, and make ourselves study, and make ourselves pray, and make ourselves worship. Because how many know you don't always feel like praying? You don't always feel like worshiping. Amen? Come on, let's not, be, let's not act like we're too holy. Well, sometimes I just don't feel like it. So I have to move past my feeling and move into faith and praise God anyhow. And thank the Lord. And so discipline is something that we have to do for ourselves so that we can grow. And tonight you've joined other growing families so that you can grow and keep running the good, the good race that is before us. If God would help me tonight, I want to concentrate with an emphasis on the Tillerman anointing that I want to speak about and give you kind of definition of what I mean when I'm talking about the Tillerman anointing. But for just a moment, slip your hand up and say, Lord... Teach me what I need. Help me to grow. Give me an ear to hear. I want to be blessed, and I want to bless you. In Jesus' name, say amen. The Tillerman anointing is really talking about the people who have influenced your life, people who have tilled up things in your life, who have turned the soil over, who have had to get underneath you and uproot some things. And I will just tell you that when that happens, a mess can happen. When you begin to overturn soil, you will find that it's messy work. It's dirty work. It's muddy work. <laughs> it's uh, get-your-feelings-hurt work. It's I-can't-wear-my-feelings-on-my-sleeve work. When, when the tiller man... Whoever has influence on my life begins to deal with me. Somebody say, deal with me. It is not an easy thing. When Pastor Wayne was preaching on Sunday morning, man, the Holy Ghost was dealing. The Spirit of the Lord was dealing in the house. And I, I was in Arizona, and I could feel it there. Thank God for online. Amen. Our team is doing a great job. But the people who are influencing your life they turn over the soil in your life. And maybe that is a mentor, someone who has invested in your life through mentoring or coaching. Uh, someone who has tilled up the soil of your life. They have maybe corrected us. Maybe they have comforted us. 
and maybe they have calibrated us to bring us back to a place where we can operate as God called us according to the call that is upon our life. That person has dealt with areas of our life that are somewhat out of alignment. And I want to say that to you because we need to be corrected, we need to be comforted, and we need to be calibrated. Now, I don't know which C belongs to thee, but how many know correction, comfort, and calibration are all part of being mentored by somebody in your life? They deal with areas that are off. They deal with areas that need to be course corrected. And I often speak of this term called alignment. And I want you to pay attention to this because the Lord showed me this a few years ago about alignment. And he showed me this letter A and the people who are in that alignment. In other words, they have chosen to stay under the A-frame or the house or the blessing and they are walking in alignment. Notice that alignment for these folks that you see on the screen are in underneath something. And the Lord spoke to me a few years ago and said, when it, whatever isn't under won't be able to bear or go to the next level for what I'm preparing the church for. And I wrote that down in my notes because it was significant to me at the time not only for leadership development, but it was significant for me at the time because I've really felt like that what God was preparing the church for would require alignment so that oil would flow because wherever there's unity, unity will produce the anointing. And there has to be an alignment for that unity to spring forth. And above the people, if you'll notice in the triangle space that is just above the people, the Lord showed me that that was a place of resource, that there would be resources available to the people that are in alignment, and all they'd have to do is reach up and receive whatever they needed. I shared with you a few weeks ago, maybe this last Sunday or the Sunday before last, that there's an alignment or there is an anointing that comes up on God's people when we are in a house of blessing. And I shared with you that many of us don't even realize how blessed we are individually because we are seated up under a favorable anointing, even in the house. And when you come up under an anointing, you may have some areas that are dry in your own life, but the oil of the house you're in can cover even areas that are itchy and rashy and ashy in your own life. And all the believers say amen. amen. So the Lord said that the triangle was a space that contained resources and all that we had to do was reach up to receive them. So it's very important to your future who you are in alignment with. Now, let's focus on the word of God that is evidenced in scripture here. In Psalm 133, it talks about who you are in alignment with. In Psalm 133, the Bible speaks to us, verse 1 through 3. This is the whole chapter. Behold, how good and how pleasant. I already like this verse. Good and pleasant. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for who? Brethren. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to people who have faith. For brethren to dwell together in what? 
unity. So he says, it is good and it is pleasant when we can come together in unity. And it is my hope that next Thursday, when you get together with your brethren, <laughs> that you will come together in good and pleasant circumstances and Thanksgiving won't be turmoil, chaos, gossip, slamming doors, leaving early, mad at mom, mad at whoever. Some of you better start praying and fasting now. When you get together, he said it should be good and pleasant to dwell together with brethren. He said, and when we dwell together, it is in unity. And then he describes how that unity works. He said it's like the precious oil or ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So he says this unity will produce an oil. When you're walking in alignment, walking in unity, if you have unity in your marriage, you produce an oil. If you have unity in your workplace, you produce an oil. If you don't have unity in your workplace, it's a dry place to work. If you don't have unity in your marriage, it's a hard place to live. <laughs> if you don't have unity, it is dry. He said, but that good and pleasant spirit that you carry when you walk in unity produces an oil. Then he references it two ways. He references it as the oil that ran down the beard. He's now taking us all the way back to the installation service of Aaron, who would become the first earthly priest in the lineage of priests, the brother of Moses. He said that oil ran down his beard, even all the way down the, the skirts of his garment. And you remember, when you anointed someone in the Old Testament, you poured like oil so much on their head that it was like greasy, running down. I've been tempted a few times when I've prayed for certain folk. I just want to turn the whole bottle, Pastor. I want to turn the whole bottle. And then I have to refrain myself. Come on, somebody. I know I'm not as sanctified as you, but pray for me. I want to pour the whole oil. <laughs> Lord, baptize them. Help. But he said that unity is like oil, and it goes all the way down from the beard, all the way down to the skirt, into the hem of the garment. Then he describes that oil in reference to the dew of Hermon and the dew that had descended upon the mountains of Zion. Every morning, even when the children of Israel were pilgrimaging on their way to Canaan, God provided dew to provide for them to water the grass to make sure that when they went out at that time in their life, he was providing manna. So it was a very, a very wet, if you will, a very uh, liquid type of dew that would water the earth and would provide resource. And he says that this oil is similar, similar to that, symbolic to the oil that would run and appear up on the mountains of Zion because it was there that the Lord commanded the blessing life evermore. It's very interesting that you study that passage out because I believe it will add richness to your Bible study and your personal walk with God. But I want you to understand that there's an anointing that is always released 
when there is proper alignment. When, when I'm in alignment with my pastor, Pastor Hill, I receive the oil and the anointing from that relationship. And I catch the oil. I, I, I grab the oil. <laughs> I, I scoop up the oil. Because I want the oil of that relationship to be heavy <coughs> upon me. So there's an anointing that's released upon me when I'm in proper alignment. Now you can apply that to any situation and any relationship in your own life. But I want you to go a little further with me because we're talking about the making of a leader. Write this down in your notes that your pastor or your leader is a tiller man in your life. Now I told you what the tiller man does. A tiller man can be a leader, a mentor, a coach, a pastor, a father. Someone that is overturning areas of your life to bring correction, comfort, and to calibrate you. Amen? So we find your pastor, and it's not just me, but in general, is a tiller man in your life. You not always like what they have to say to you. You'll sometimes be rubbed the wrong way when they preach or when they speak to you privately. They will deal with areas that challenge you to change for the better. They see ahead and they're trying to prepare you for the future while dealing with your present. And so my pastor is a tiller man in my life. And the majority of us are a field that needs a lot of work. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, Lucille, that's for you. Because you need a lot of work. And if they didn't want to say it, remind them that their name is Lucille tonight. <laughs> the majority of us are a field that needs a lot of work in our life. God set a pastor or a leader over us to bring us to the place where we are today. So it is important that we honor that that we give honor to our leaders, realizing that they themselves are not perfect, yet God has chosen them to perfect that which concerneth us. God will put an imperfect person in your life to teach you what to do and what not to do. And you have to guard the honor level in your heart to understand that if God put them in that role in my life, they may say things that I don't like. They may hurt my feelings. They may not always congratulate me. They may have to deal with some stuff that I've been carrying from my childhood or from my relationships or attitudes that I have, not, I have been reluctant to let go of. But if God put them in my life, regardless of their personality, I can't say, well... I can receive from Pastor Bev, but I ain't receiving from Pastor Hilton. He's too mean. I can receive from this leader, but I don't want to receive from this leader. It'd be like me calling the elders and deacons together and saying, now listen, we got to deal with some stuff. And if you see this crazy stuff going on in the church or wherever, I want you to deal with it and know that I empower you through delegated authority to take care of it. Well, it didn't very long until they've been taking care of a situation that that person who got offended 
will walk around sad, upset, and will want to call for a meeting and want to talk to me about how the usher treated them. Come on, somebody. Now, that's not anybody here because we're all sanctified holy. (laughs) But you know what I mean. And they don't realize that I empowered that usher and leader to take care of that situation, that they've been empowered to do the work of ministry, the helps ministry, which we talked about a few weeks ago. So what happens is we get offended when God's trying to use imperfect people to perfect that which concerns us. Well, bless God, I don't have to, I, 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 I'm not going to receive from them because I know something about them. I, I'm not going to, I don't have to listen to that, <clears throat> who they think they are. Trying to be the church boss. Come on, smile at me. You can apply anything I'm talking about to your place of work, whatever. I'll receive from this person, but this person I can't receive from. Well, even in the military, a good soldier will receive orders from any commander. It has nothing to do with the commander. It has something to do with you. Whether or not you're willing to submit and stay up under so that the oil doesn't become dry in your life. And I promise you, when you start crisscrossing and saying, I don't like this and I don't like that, you are one step away. Keep moving away from the oil that God has for your life. Don't ask me how I know this. Because I've walked that out. So we give honor to our leaders realizing that even though they're not perfect, God put them in a place to perfect that which concerns me. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 17, to obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, why? For they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for then that is unprofitable for you. So if you have somebody who's keeping watch over your soul and you're wearing them out and you're causing more problems than solutions, they're going to get unjoyful in the way that they have to handle you. Are you with me? If you have a child that you know has a promise, you know they're anointed, you know they have a future, but if you're constantly having to deal with bad attitude and lying spirits, and stubbornness, come on, and rebellion. How many know that will wear you out quick? I was in the office just before this service, and Liam was trying to get something out of the little refrigerator that I have, and Caitlin had to tell him no. Boy, he didn't like being told no. He went up and grabbed her pocket on her, on her jacket and, and almost brought her down to her knees. She had to get firm with him. Come on, somebody. Getting firm with them means you get to the seat of the problem. We ain't raising hellions. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'll dust your britches. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but how many know after you deal with that all day, come on, that it is a little wearing on you mentally and emotionally? And sometimes you got to call in some reinforcements. When your dad gets home, come on, my mom used to say that. 
Because you want the people that are keeping watch over your soul, according to Paul's writing, you want them to be able to give an account of you in a spirit of joy, not grief. Because if they got to deal with you and their account of you is that you were bad for the babysitter, the consequence of being bad for the babysitter in the house I grew up in is if you disrespect the babysitter, I'm going to wear you out. <laughs> I know y'all don't do that no more. And that's your problem. Anyway, no, I'm just teasing. I will wear you out. So my cousin Carla used to always babysit us, and she, we would butter her up. So We were so bad. But we would butter her up so that when my mom and dad came home and they'd say, how were they? She kind of had this look on her face. She felt pressure from us because we were like, you better not. <laughs> and then I don't know why my mom and dad always took everybody's word over ours. <laughs> I think it has something to do with discernment. And my cousin Carla would say, well, they were good. They're all right. Yeah, yeah, it was good. They, she failed to tell them that we had locked her out of the house. <laughs> that we were bad. <laughs> and if you're watching Carla, I love you. But all of that, then my mom would probe a lot. Now tell me the truth now. She said, now tell me the truth now. Have you ever had somebody tell you that? You're like, oh, yeah. And finally she'd come clean because she knew she couldn't lie to my mom. Well, they really were bad. And we were like, uh-oh, we're going to get it now. We're going to get it now. You need people in your life who will be able to give an account of you with joy and not grief. Now, I'll say that no leader is perfect, no pastor is perfect, but regardless, we need to give honor for the patience they've demonstrated in helping us. God calls and appoints spiritual leaders, pastors and teachers. Men and women do not call them. God calls them. The call comes from a heaven, not from a boardroom. The call comes from heaven. Now, one of the things that I've stressed for years and have walked out in my own life and is still learning is the role of spiritual fathers. Everybody say spiritual father. Now, I don't want you to get so caught up in saying, oh my goodness, i got to find a spiritual father. Oh my goodness, i got to find a spiritual father. Oh my goodness. No, 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 no. It needs to be organic. It needs to happen naturally. You'll, it'll just happen as you walk forward. God will put people in your life. But a spiritual father is someone that tills the soil of your life in spiritual matters. They may hold the position of a spiritual father in your life. They are set in our life as an example to help bring us to the place where God wants us to be. And right now, many of you could say, I, I recognize so-and-so. I've been watching their marriage and it's helped my marriage. I've been watching their workmanship, their craftsmanship, their career, and it's helped me. So there are people God puts in your life, they might not even know that you're looking to them, but their testimony yet speaks that you are saying, hey, 
I am modeling after that which is being modeled before me, and I am growing as a result of that. They are an example in my life. And you have to remember this, just as you haven't chosen your earthly family, neither do you choose your spiritual father. God does the choosing. (laughs) And they are in our lives by God's choice to polish us, to prine us, and to perfect us. Well, you missed a good place to say amen. Never underestimate the power and the influence that a man or a woman of God can have on your life as you begin to make your way towards your destiny. That it is why we should hold our leaders in two things, in high esteem and hold them up in honor. When we honor the men and women of God that he has sent to us, we are also honoring the one who sent them. We are honoring Jesus, our Savior. Have you ever noticed your leader is struggling with something that maybe God says you can help them with? Have you ever seen your leader overburdened with something that you could actually probably provide the solution to? Whatever you do to honor your leader, God will use to honor you. Oh, let me say that again. Whatever you do to honor your leader, God will use it to also honor you. When I served our pastor, Pastor Hill, for many years, I served him in in youth ministry and, and set up under his tutelage and training. And if it was raining, I learned to get my umbrella and have it ready. The man of God, if we were getting out of the car at the hospital, I made sure I had an umbrella, even if it was his umbrella. But I made sure I had the tool needed to carry the umbrella over his head so even if I got wet, the man of God did not get wet. Somebody will get help on this. If it was hot, I went out and started the car so that the air conditioner would work and it would cool down and be ready for him. If it was cold, these are the days before electric start, I would go out into the cold and I would swipe up all the snow off the roof first. You start from the top. You don't leave a big mess up there to fall into somebody's window behind you. That's just etiquette. You start at the top. Come on, someone say, come on, Lucille. You start at the top. How you have somebody, how you gonna scrape one little piece out so you can see? We had to clean the whole car off, turn the heater on and the defrost, and then start working. Sometimes even in a suit. And you'd be out there cleaning the man of God's car off. Why? Because whatever you make happen for someone else, whatever honor you bestow on someone else, honor will come back on. And we have lost that in America. We have lost that even in the church. And we have lost that sometimes in our place of employment where we cuss out our leader, cuss out our our, our boss at work. And I've even heard him cuss out the pastor. I'm going to tell you, that we are in a dishonorable time. But whatever you make happen in the spirit for somebody else, God will turn it around in reciprocity and bring it back on you. Somebody ought to high-five your own self and say, I believe that God is going to bring it back to my good and for the glory of God. I didn't do all that to earn points with my pastor because I was already a son. I didn't have to go around and try to get him to like me and make sure if I did this, he'll know I was already a 
a son. I wasn't hired in. I was born in. I receive a mantle of anointing on my life. And although he had multiple sons and all of them were getting a piece of him, I took what I could get and I let the glory of God fill my heart and my life as I blessed the tiller man in my life. Can I hear an amen from somebody? When you choose to bless the people in your life who are tilling your soil, God will bless you. Yes, he will. Now go with me to Matthew 10 because this is, the, this is the, the expression of that. In verse 41, the he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So I would say you have to understand that what you make happen for someone else God will make happen for you. How do you stand with your tiller man? Here's, here's one way. Stand with them, not behind them. You are never standing in someone's shadow if you are standing with them. <laughs> you're only standing in someone's shadow when you're standing behind them. Standing with your leader means you are helping them bring the vision to pass. This is going to help us in our leadership development in the making of a leader. And I will say right here, please don't get offended. Well, if you do, that's okay. I grow a little tired of being used by people who use me to get where they want to go. If you have the vision of this house in you, you'll stay around to see it come to pass. I've discovered that all that left me couldn't stay and all that stayed couldn't leave. <laughs> because God attracts people to each other. When God raises up a church, he speaks to the pastor and gives him a vision for the local church body. It's not just a personal vision for the pastor, but it is the direction of God in leading a particular ecclesia or a church through the leadership of the pastor. He said, now this is where the body is going. And so it is up to every individual of that local body of believers to ask themselves, where do I fit in this body and in this vision. If we will make up our minds that we're going to run with the vision, we're going to find ourselves coming into the call of God that is upon our life. Your next will be revealed. While doing your now, you'll walk right into your next. I was thinking about Brother Ben in the sound booth who's now our media director. We hired him during a pandemic and he come on. You know why he was walking, he was walk, how he walked into his next? Because he was walking in his now. He was fulfilling his now. And I don't ever know what God's going to do, but I am so thankful when God decides to say, this is the way we're going to walk. This is the direction. It was so natural. It was so effortless. It was God leading him from his now. He walked right into his next. Why? Because he saw himself in the vision of the house. What you make happen for someone else, write this down, God will make happen for you. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, the Bible says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant upon thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, the, the signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost 
and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is revival. The building shook. The building shook. Now look at verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. They were so much in unity that they didn't brag about what each person had. They didn't say, well, I'm called to this. <laughs> Bless God, you're not as good as me. <laughs> they didn't do that. They were of one heart and they were of one soul. No matter where they served on the team, <laughs> they were of one heart and one soul and none of them said anything about the things which they possessed of their own. That's a people who have stopped bragging about the things they have. That they are sharing because they are of one heart and of one soul. Let me give you a definition. A one heart, one soul. One heart is basically when you're connected because you are all members of the body of Christ. So we are of one heart because we're connected into the body of Christ. And then when we talk about having one soul, we are then now running together with the same vision, the vision of the house. And so if everyone ran, come on, with a united heart and a soul with their leader, guess what would happen? We would take the city of Indianapolis for Jesus Christ. There would be no ism and no schism, no hurt feelings, no begrudging, no bitterness, nothing like that. We would just all be walking together with heart and soul and the oil would just be up on us and we'd be so greasy. We would be as greasy as the, the pig at the county fair. We would be so greased up. The devil couldn't get a hand on us. The devil couldn't even get a hold of us with anything. Come on, I feel like preaching because we are greasy. Tell your neighbor it ain't easy being greasy. We'd take our city for Jesus. So I guess a question that I would ask before I move on is, even those of us that are listening to this today, you already know in your heart whether or not you're standing with your leaders, where you realize the vision, that you run the, with the vision, then what happens in your own life, you get to see it happen. All because you're running with the vision. How else do you stand? Number two, the anointing starts at the head. Now, we read this. Remember when we read that out of Psalm 133? The say the anointing starts at the head. It don't start at the elbow. It doesn't start at the kneecap. It don't start at the armpit. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to get you to think. But it starts where? At the head. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. This is Psalm 133 again. Dwell together in unity. It's like oil upon the precious ointment upon the head. Notice he, rests, he talks about the head before he does the hymn. It says it rested where? Up on the head. Aaron was anointed and oil was poured on his head. It flowed to the rest of his body. And that scripture links unity, like I said earlier, with the anointing. If there's going to be unity in the local church, the members must understand that the anointing begins at the head and it flows to the rest of the body. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. He is the great shepherd. Pastors are the under shepherd. He's the great shepherd. 
Pastors are the under-shepherd. Pastors also have under-shepherds under them. Assistants, leaders, ministry team leaders, elders, deacons. The anointing, hear me, is transferable. Paul laid his hands on Timothy. Moses laid his hands on 70 elders. Elijah gave Elisha a double portion because there was a transference of anointing. Come on. Pastors who may serve as the spiritual authority of a local church, they carry an anointing, irregardless of their personality. So you realize that by spending time with your leader or being around them can cause a transference to usher in into your life. I didn't always need anything from Pastor Hill, and I realized that I only got little minutes here and there because he was very, very productive and had a lot of people to pastor. But whatever minute I got with the man of God, I was ushering in the transference of the anointing that was upon his life. And I, I believe that. I believe that the more time you are around somebody, you can get a transference of their spirit. And this is where I would caution you. Don't let anybody or everybody lay hands on you. Because I do believe that spirits are transferable. I believe uh, that you've got to guard yourself. I don't let everybody lay hands on me uh, if I can help it. What I'm saying is some people, you don't know what witch spirit or warlock spirit or whatever uh, demon spirit is operating, some spirit at work in their life. They got a spirit. Come on, and you got to be careful that you don't yoke up with that, and then that thing gets upon you and starts troubling you. Can I get an amen? I remember there was a season in my life where I felt like every time I laid down in my bed, I would nearly choke to death, and I'd have horrible dreams. One night in particular when Caitlin was very small, I woke up and I, I stood at the foot of my bed. There was a large dark demon that stood at the foot of my bed as tall as the room was and he was hovering over me and he told me he was going to kill me and my wife started choking and couldn't get her breath and I had so much fear in me by seeing that. All I could, I couldn't say anything, Brother Jason. I couldn't say a word but I just began to say, Jesus, Jesus and the more I said the name of Jesus, the louder it got until I was able to come up out of that bed swinging with my fist and declaring the name of Jesus and do you know when that happened our baby Caitlin was down the hallway in her crib she started screaming we ran down there and began to anoint her and plead the blood of Jesus and cast every devil in hell I don't know where that spirit came from I know that the devil is on assignment to try to seek and to kill and destroy those that he will but I know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and his name is Jesus. When you tap into the right spirit, there'll be an oil that'll cover you. When you get in the right spirit, you'll transfer the anointing off of your bishop, off your pastor, off of somebody who's anointed of the Lord, and it'll come upon you. But be careful that you don't just let anybody lay hands on you. We're to serve and function and under our leader's anointing. And if we want to operate in the place that God has for us, then we have to stay under authority. And you can't get offended at your leader or the set man or the tiller man that God has put in your life. I had to serve my pastor, the leader God put in my life. And here's what I learned, that God breathes on what's connected. 
God formed the dirt of the earth, and once he formed it, he breathed into it the breath of life. Adam was connected before the breath came. <laughs> you got to get connected before the breath comes. I'll, I'll be faithful if you'll give me a position. Oh, no, 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 no. you got to be connected before the breath comes. <laughs> if we look, you know, if we were to look at a severed hand and that severed hand begin to move, how many know that would look weird? How can a hand that is cut off from the body move on its own? But literally, that's what happens in ministry all the time today. We have severed parts of the body moving on their own. Friend, hear me. It's weird. It's spooky. It's cuckoo for Cocoa Crisp. <laughs> People who move in and out of the local church with no accountability, and they always seem to have some spiritual outlook on everything, the bottom line is they're not connected. These are the last days Jesus warned us about. And he said that, that wolves would appear in sheep's clothing. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. I said, you got to be careful. All these people I hear prophesying. You know, when I studied the prophets, listen, you know how many people are prophesying on Facebook now? This is for some, I feel this is for someone. Duh. But when I really studied the prophets, they didn't speak much. And when they did, they went and hid for their life. They went out here giving words all the time. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they weren't out here giving words all the time. When they gave a word, they ran for their life. They spent the majority of their time in hiding. Y'all don't want to help me. Because we too used to this weird stuff that's going. Well, they're not blessing me over here because they don't. I didn't like what they said. I'm gonna run over here because. Let me give you the third. That is accountability. How do you stand with you? your tiller man? You have accountability. Galatians two and two says, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run, or had run. In vain. Now look at that verse because Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he went to Jerusalem and the Bible said he submitted himself to the teaching to them. Paul, did he have to do that? Isn't this the same Paul that was caught up in the third heaven? And you mean he has to run down and submit himself to these leaders in Jerusalem? This is the same Paul that received direct revelation from God? And maybe it was just, are you sure Paul needs to submit to someone else? Why was it necessary for him to submit to men? <laughs> because the Holy Spirit knew the importance of accountability and spiritual authority. If we would do this, we would keep false doctrine out of the church. Just because you get a revelation of something doesn't mean it's from God. The devil can give you a revelation. Mm. That's why you need to take it to your pastor or your leader who is in authority over you and lay it before them 
so that they can determine whether this is a Bible-based revelation. Do you know we've had people get caught up in all kinds of goofy stuff and leave the church and do all kinds of crazy. I'm not talking, I'm talking about because they got some kind of weird revelation. Do you know that they're going to give an account to God for every person that they led astray with that stuff? So I don't celebrate it. You won't see me celebrate it because I know that they're going to give an account to God for the people that they have caused to be in confusion. You got to be careful when somebody gives a revelation and then they want to make the gospel out of it. I question people who have no accountability in their life. Quit running after spooky spook. Quit running after romper room. Come on, this, this isn't the land to be in the land of Looney Tunes. You meet people, they look like they just got off the mothership. Come on, smile. I have a group of leaders in my life, fathers and coaches. I believe they are people of integrity. They may not be perfect, but they are people of integrity. I trust them and I give them access to ask me questions in ministry and about my life. Here's the thing. We should be speaking the same thing that our leader is speaking. God is not the author of confusion. Pastors are given a charge to make sure that there are no doctrinal conflicts in the local church. That's why you have teaching and preaching. You, have, you need this to stay on course or you're going to start watching YouTube. And you're going to say what this person says and you're going to be on this long trail and, you, and you're so far from the gospel, so far, you're focused on things that don't even bring salvation. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Now I beseech you, brother, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So we have to speak the same thing, but that comes from having the same mind and the same judgment. It'd be like if I'm up here teaching the word of God from the pulpit and then we have a class taking place and somebody's teaching completely opposite of what we teach here at the church. How many know that would bring confusion to the body? We have to stay submitted to the leadership and determine that God has connected us in our place of ministry. This is very, very important. This has protected my life. I'm trying to help somebody in the making of a leader. This has protected my life. Number four, support your leaders. Support that which supports or upholds a sustainer, a comforter, a maintainer, a defender. That's what it means literally when we're talking about support. God needs people to uphold, to comfort, to maintain, and defend their leader. Stand with your pastor even with seasons of trials and difficulties. Your pastor's not going to be able to reveal to you all the things that are taking place behind the scenes. You're only going to hear what your buddy says but that you, you don't know the whole story. Anyone can stand with someone through the good times when everything is going well. But what happens when your leaders are facing a season of hardship and they're being buffeted on every side? Do you think the God is in that or do you think the enemy is trying to prevent the vision, trying to prevent things from going forward? Now, if you've been faithful to the local church, you've probably already witnessed something that has tried to shake your leaders. And I'm telling you, there have been many times, and I tell you very honestly on this Wednesday night, that I wanted to quit and walk away, and I wanted to say, put a fork in me, I'm done. I don't have to put up with this mess. People cause problems. And all of us, including me, we are people. 
How many know people are people? And if we're not careful, we get our feelings hurt and we say this and we whisper this and we say that that causes angels to blush. Listen, if Satan can destroy the pastor, he'll come for you next. If he can destroy a pastor, he will scatter the sheep. God needs men and women who are committed to prayer and standing in the gap for their leader and refuse to let the devil get a foothold in their mind or in their spirit or a chip on their shoulder. What kind of church member could we be that would help the leaders that God has given us if God can use you to speak into your leader's life at the moment they need a miracle and a breakthrough? And I'm telling you, if your pastor or leader and who Whoever is coaching you or mentoring you, if they need a miracle in your life and out of your mouth comes blessing and out of your mouth comes the water of the Spirit, can I tell you they got nothing to do but to receive the word of the Lord that's coming from you because they understand you have been faithful through the ups and through the downs. But listen, when your pastor is disappointed, don't talk about him. Pray for him. God set him on fire, Lord. Deliver and help and raise them up. Look for ways to encourage them and they'll run on and do more when I served our pastors I could tell when they were upset disappointed or frustrated I could tell when I served with Pastor Hill I could tell he worked hard for the plans of the church hard to move the vision and the mission he wanted to see people blessed and helped and sometimes I could see the disappointment when people wouldn't show up and, and he would, I put all his energy and all of that. And I've, I've seen people try to hurt him with their mouth. Come on, somebody. This part of ministry. And I've seen people gouge and say things to try to get a response. Are you understanding what I'm saying? This is why your leader needs strong people around them to raise their hands and keep them supported. One of the things I've tried to do is after every service... I would tell my pastor, and I'm, I'm not saying this to get this for me. I'm telling you what I did. These are some things that I did. When my pastor preached, I would always tell him, that was a word from the Lord, pastor. My goodness. And I would try to remember every point and try to say, you know. So when we were coming home from church um, last Wednesday night, AJ and Nina said, I said, well, what would you learn tonight? And boy, they were laying it down, what Pastor Ethan or Kate, Pastor Caitlin had said when she was talking about being real or something. And I said, what does that mean? And, and they went in, they had kept notes. They, he opened up his, he had notes. Do you know what an encouragement? I passed that on to Caitlin. I said, these kids just told me how much that blessed them. Because I knew she needed that encouragement herself. There are times, come on, I'm preaching to everybody here. There are times you've done your very best. It's after that event, it's after that moment that you feel like you start doubting yourself. I just don't know, did I? You're not looking for a compliment, but how many know it encourages you when you get a compliment from somebody? I want you to do me a favor. Look at somebody right now and give them a compliment. You don't have to be embarrassed. Just give them a compliment. If they're pretty, tell them they're pretty. If they're not, just say, well. <laughs> Come on. Here's, here's number five. Learn to honor your leader. Learn to honor your leader. What does the honor mean in this reference? The esteem due or paid to something of worth. To give something of worth, high esteem, 
and to honor them. It's a testimony, of, it's an, an expression of respect that you would do through your words and your actions. So honor and respect are different. Respect is an attitude, honor is an action. Respect is an attitude, honor is an action. Does that make sense? To walk with and respect someone, I, it's, it's, you know, I, when my leader speaks to me, I don't keep my head in my phone. I pay attention. I, I keep my eyes on them. Parents ought to say amen to that with your children. Don't let your children walk in a place and an adult say hi to them and you excuse them. Well, they'd had a bad day. You gotta raise them up. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. It's a help us. Honor is an action. So to honor someone is to take respect to a higher level. We can have respect for someone, but never honor them. When we take the step to do something for them, then we're showing honor. Honor is something we give to God and to people. The Bible says to give honor and praise to God. Amen. That's an action. <laughs> That's an action. That's not just an attitude. That's an action. When you honor God, you express with an action something to God. It tells us to honor one another. And we honor by giving to one another. Honor is something you give. Say that out loud. Honor is something you give. So how do you honor your leaders? Here's a few things. Show up on time for church. Be at special meetings. <laughs> Get involved in the ministry of helps. Give offerings, bring tithes. Make sure their family's honored and treated with respect. Be available to help with needs. Check on them. Ask if there's anything you can do to lighten the load. Rise to your place of calling. <laughs> Be faithful in your business. Be an effective witness in the community. That's how you give honor. These things may honor your pastor, but they also honor God because the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5 and 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So again, honor, by definition, we could say it like this, to value or to esteem to the highest degree. And then double honor is twofold. Let me ask you a question. How would you honor the state governor if they came in or the mayor came into our church and sat down in our worship? How would we honor them? And please do not put on your political hat. That, ain't nobody got time for that. Be sanctified. Remember who you are. If a governor, a president, a mayor, an elected official came in and sat down among us, and started visiting our church, chances are, because of who they are, we would do everything honorable for them. Because the honor is something we are. It don't matter if, a, if the person's not honorable. You are honorable. Can we teach on this? Well, we need to. We would assign our very best people to meet the need. Why? Why would we do that? Because it would be out of honor for the office they hold. We would serve out of honor. We may not necessarily agree with their position or even certain issues, but we honor them by their office. Amen? Your boss at work, you honor them 
for their office. I don't know why you get quiet when I talk about work. You honor them for their office. They're the people that took a chance on you. You're not doing them a favor. They're doing you a favor. Isn't it interesting you go to the drive-thru, they act like they're doing you a favor to, to, to fill your order. No, I'm paying your check. Don't get into anybody. Get into it with anybody. Then there's double honor, which is two, twofold. That means you give twice as much for the spiritual leaders as you would do for any political leader. Double honor for them to have sowed the word of God and taught you the word of God and ministered to you. What's what happens in your own life when you honor people? Now, I know somebody sitting in this crowd or watching online and saying, listen to that pastor trying to get honor. I'm not trying to. I'm trying to teach you what I've had to learn to do to receive anointing in my life. Number six, never speak against your leader. I've worked in ministry with people who spoke against their leader. They complained about how things were being run. They didn't like this. They didn't like that. And perhaps they, I didn't, you know, didn't, I had even misunderstood what was happening or their viewpoint was overlooked. But I've learned that my loyalties were to my leader. Offended people are a bear to do life with. I'm going to say it again. Offended people are a bear to do life with. You don't have to amen. I know you're afraid of the person around you, but don't worry about it. You may even have a call on your life, but when you're full of offense, it will manifest in rebellion and a refusal to do even the small thing that you are asked to do. People who are offended will find someone else who is offended and they will yoke up. And now that we have Facebook, the goal isn't reconciliation for them. The goal is to get people to join their side. Refuse to be offended. You'll have the opportunity to be offended. I guarantee it. But refuse to allow fence to stay with you. Speaking against your leader can set your calling off course in the wrong direction. You end up hurting your own self in the end. Never speak ill about your leaders in front of your children. Because if you do, you will sow a seed in them that will show up in their body language with the way they interact. I've had people come up to me and apologize to me that I didn't even know was offended. And sometimes I've learned, the Holy Ghost has taught me, when people start coming up to me and say, Pastor, I just want you to know that we're with you and I'm with you and, and I support 100%. Usually they're telling something on themselves. They are telling me that they have just recently been in conversations and their conscience is catching up to them. And they understand that if they don't get in alignment, it affects their own oil. Does that make sense? And so they end up giving themselves away that they've been a gossip. Are you here? <laughs> Ooh, I just love Wednesday night. <laughs> Beverly and I have learned this. Keep your mouth off of people. 
You know how many times people say, well, I told Pastor, Pastor about it, and Pastor Bev will say, well, he don't tell me everything. And, and she don't tell me everything. Now, we don't keep secrets from one another, but I'll go to the grave with stuff I know, and there are some things I don't utter it until it needs to be said. I don't have to. I got more to do than sit around and talk and bump my gums. Come on, this is for all of us. Keep your mouth off people. And when you get together in these little circles and these little talk sessions and all this stuff that goes on, it just it causes angels to blush. You wonder why there's a dry place in your life or there's no flow? It's because you talk too much. You're peeling the anointing off of your life with your own mouth. And that's where the weariness comes in and no joy. And now doubt has entered in. I'm the, oh, man. When you're out of alignment, you're no longer in line for anointment. And I close with this last thought, and this is the last thought now that we're on shouting ground. <laughs> and that is this pastors are human. Pastors are human. Christian staff can sometimes be harder to work with than non-Christian employees. We get shocked when someone doesn't act Christ-like. We expect people to be perfect just because they're born again. But how many know, without raising a hand, there's no perfect person in this room, including us, Nobody's perfect. So don't put your leader on a pedestal. Only Jesus is perfect. Your parents, your friends, your leaders are all going to fail you at some point, disappoint you, hurt your feelings because they are human. They don't walk around the house singing praises all day long. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Just don't do that. Leaders need to have room to be themselves. Leaders are going to make mistakes, and when you recognize the human side of your leader while respecting the office and the authority they stand in, then you will have a deeper level and understanding of what it means to give honor and respect. Amen? You win if you don't allow yourself to be hurt when you saw the human side of someone you, you trust. And I tell this story. There was a guy in our church years ago, and, and you can play, start playing. I, there was a guy at the, in the church that wanted to bless me. And he said, I'm going to come to your house and mow. Now, I had heard this even from other, someone else, and then I experienced it myself. He said, I'm going to come and mow for you. I'm going to come over on Saturday and mow for you. And I said, well, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Because actually I didn't want him to mow because I kind of liked mowing, and I want the lines to be right. Anybody, anybody want the lines to be right? Some of you are like, I don't care. Zigzag. <laughs> no, 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 no. I got to be able to. Who was in my yard? No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to come over and mow. And I was like, all right, all right. Well, I felt like I should allow that because that is a personal thing. My house is a personal place. It's the sanctuary. It's our, our, our rest where we get our mind. And, you know, your home is the same way, right? 
You don't have people just banging your door down. Listen, if you show up at my house unannounced, I ain't answering the door. I'll be talking to you through the app. You are now being recorded. Go ahead, caller. <laughs> Come on. So anyway, he came over and he mowed my yard for like, you know, the first week he mowed it. And he did a good job and it was really nice and it freed me up. Freed me up. So about, a, you know, about a month went by and he wanted to do it again. And I said, okay. And so I told him what time I'd be there, you know, because he need to, I need to open the gate at our old house where he could get in and the backyard and all. Well, he did that. And then I didn't see him. He stopped coming to church. And I said, <clears throat> I, I got to thinking about him. The whole, I think the Holy Spirit put him on my heart. And I called him. I said, brother, I ain't seen you in church. He said, well, I don't know if I'm coming back. I said, well, what happened? Because, you know, you can be, I, I can be the last person to know. And, but it's been, believe me, talked amongst the people who talk. And, and I said, what happened? You know, I'm over here just trying to live life and take care of my family and go to church, work, come on, get groceries. <laughs> and he said, well, I, come over to, I came over to mow for you so you'd have more time to stay in the Word of God. He was putting conditions on his service. Because that last time they did come to mow for me, I was getting ready to go golfing. And I waved at him with my golf bag as I was leaving. But I thought he came over to help me. Some people serve with a motive. They want something. They want to be seen. Oh. He wasn't just letting me be human. He's doing all that secretly because he was trying to tell me that he felt like I needed to stay in the Word more. And when I, he was mowing out there sweating, I should be down on, on my face. <laughs> How many know that's weird? That's just weird stuff. Welcome to the ministry. You get all kinds of stuff that you don't even understand. You're like, what? The making of the leader, God will put a tiller man in your life who has a tiller man anointing. And it will be messy when they start correcting you. It'll be messy when they calibrate you. And it'll still be messy when they comfort you. But all of that is to perfect you. And I am thankful today to this man and woman of God for years ago when they took a chance on Beverly and I. When we were 21, I was 20 years old, 19 or 20 years old when I came to serve in his house. He took a chance on me. He took a chance on me. You ought to thank God today for the people who took a chance on you. I was not perfect. I had to go to the woodshed several times. More, probably more times were needed. 
Pastor Hill loved me, loved me, kept trying to push me, prime me, get me to a place. I remember I was visiting people too much and I was single and I, Beverly and I were dating. We were engaged to be married, but I was kind of lonely and I just run, I want to be over here with this person and, and I want to run over here and be with this person. And, and Pastor had to just tell me, you need to stop running everywhere and plant yourself. Getting out of, out of, out of balance here. I need you to come back in. Now, what if I would have said, well, bless God, I got to have friends. You can still have all that, but learn to be balanced. Does that make sense? We all need a tiller man. Lord, let's pray. Lord, we need your help. In every situation in our life, going forward, at work, in ministry, at home, that whatever is happening around us in our life, that you're using situations to perfect that which concerns me. So God, I'm not going to be mad at the people you're using to help me. I may get my feelings ruffled, but God, I know that you're being faithful to my soul because you love me. So Lord, once again, I would come and lay myself at an altar of prayer and I would ask you, Lord, Search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Then lead me to the way of everlasting. Purge me from the things that would hinder my mind, hinder my level of reception. I want the oil in my life. I want the oil in my life. I can't function without it. I can't function without the oil. And I want you to ask God for that very thing tonight. Wherever you felt dry, would you start to thank God for the oil that is going to return to your life in every season, in every area, in every department of your life, that the oil is going to flow steadily there. I will submit myself to you, not just to people, but to you, God, that the oil may just rest heavy upon my life. Father, thank you for using people to help me grow, to love me even when I did things that were unlovable, that cared for me enough to keep me covered. God, I want to thank you for that. And I ask you, Lord, to just increase my knowledge and my discernment and my understanding. Let my heart be a heart of flesh again. Then I might not get wounded in the battle and then have to be taken out. God, Help me, Lord, to survive every arrow, every, every attack, every dart that was thrown against me, that I would have put on the whole armor of God, that I could withstand the wiles of the devil. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 